You guys, we are just having a super, look at, we're doing this. We're getting ready. Anthony Watson, Olympian. Ooh, ooh, on the red carpet, killing it. Look at this, look at, look at. Having way too much fun. We're having way too much fun. Grace, today. class, everything, sass, right here. I like it, I'm into it. Okay, so Anthony, you were an Olympian. Yes, it was. And that is uh, your, your why you've got this fancy little circle doohickey necklace on. Yeah, see, uh, this is uh, not an Audi. Um, something that costs way more than an Audi when you're looking at career specs. Oh my gosh, hey. yeah, how much, uh, yeah, uh, speaking of which, you know what? I don't think people understand what it takes to actually be an Olympic athlete, right? So some of us played sports when we were kids, right? We think we're cool, we're doing two-a-days, we're doing whatever. So share with our viewers a little bit about your background, uh, you know, what, 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 what had you passionate about sports? Like, why did you get into it? How did you become an Olympian? Give them like a, the 30 minute or 30. 30 second. 30 so second 30 minute version minute. is my dad met my mom when they were in, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> 30 second version is simply this. I, at the young age of six, wanted to be an Olympian. My father told me, he said, son, you trust God, make good decisions, surround yourself with people that make good decisions. You're gonna find yourself going to places that you never thought you'd be able to end up. Okay. Come fast forward a few years at the, uh, at the age of 23, started competing for Team USA, switched because I have dual citizenship, competed for Jamaica and made history as the first ever Jamaican to ever compete in my winter sport of skeleton at a Winter Olympics period. Okay, okay, okay. And then, so you knew, so you knew from a very early age, did you like see people playing sports on TV? Like what was it that, did you watch the Olympics? I did, 1996, Michael Johnson, golden shoes himself. Atlanta, and so I wanted to be an Olympian for track and field, but when I was okay. running track and field uh, in the Junior Olympics, AAU, USATF, 18 under leagues and everything else, I tore my knee and wasn't able to run as fast as I was uh, with a slight meniscus tear going into the London 2012 trials. And okay. so after doing that was when I looked into winter sports and saw that bobsled and skeleton for Team USA at the time was the only Olympic sport that had tryouts. And so what people don't realize is that people think that Olympians are famous people, like if you're like Simone Biles, Michael Phelps, and everything else, but yeah, people yeah. saw and became fans of Michael Phelps and all of those people at the pinnacle of their career. Michael Phelps swam in 2000 in Sydney as somebody who was just getting traction as an Olympian, then started doing his thing of eat, sleep, swim. Yep, smoke but weed. But see, the life of an Olympian is we have to find our own sponsors, our own endorsers, raise our own money, work four or five part-time jobs just to even afford coaching. Really? Exactly. So people think that, you know, when they, they see us, it's like you get your two weeks or your little day and a half of fame when you're on the television screen for billions of people. But people don't know the years of work that goes into putting your body through all of the impossible tasks, okay. all of the early morning sessions, midday trainings, and then late night physical therapy sessions to make sure you could push your body even harder than that. All for not making a dime because the Olympics is considered amateur, so they can't pay you. What? Shut up. So my story of how I got wait into Turning second. Point. Wait, wait, hold on, wait. I'm holding on. Wait, hang on a second. Okay. Yes. So you have all these professional athletes, right? You got you got basketball players, you got football players, whatever, right? Professional athletes. They're getting paid millions and millions of dollars. I did not know that Olympic athletes didn't get paid. We don't. Shut up. We train just as hard, if not harder, than Steph Curry, Tom Brady, and LeBron James <laughs> because we have to train at that caliber level to prove that in our athletic ability and our prowess, we're worth 
any type of donation or funding that's going to help us become like those athletes right. in our sport and dominate. And, and you can't be like LeBron James and fall down and fake like someone hurt you and still make millions of dollars again. Well, when you're making millions of dollars and crying about it and doing all that stuff and, you know, swearing by it and whatnot, I was like, no, that doesn't make you a good athlete. To okay. me, Jordan is always going to be the GOAT. LeBron is fourth on my list. Yeah, that, that's it goes. It goes... Michael Jordan, Obviously. Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan. I'd even put. I'd even put Steph Tim Curry. Tim Duncan from the. I'd even put. I'd even put Steph Spurs? Curry above LeBron James for this one reason. Years ago, you had athletes that stayed in the city and made those teams amazing, Ooh, even if they never won championships. That's right. Now you have all of these highly professional crybabies that, because they don't get a ring, they go to these other teams, kick out good players that are farm players that could become great players, stay there, stay on the bench for half of the dang season. Preach. Get all the money from everybody else just Preach. to see if they're possibly going to play. And then in the end, take all your money and then just cause mayhem in your city streets and with your women. Deuces. All right. Okay. So. Oh, sorry. Now that we know how Anthony feels about the NBA. <laughs> so now, okay, so you were, so now you, so you went, you tried out. Yep. You made it because obviously you're athletic. So you were able to actually uh, translate your athleticism into a new sport. Yep. Oh, and you made it. Never learned it. Never tried it. Tried it at the age of 24. By the age of 28, I was an Olympian. That is wild. So in a fort. In a four-year turnaround, you have to learn how to go uh, 80 to 75 to 80 miles per hour on your stomach going headfirst down a sheet of ice very quickly, and you have to go a mile in under a minute. Bruh. And so how I found Turning Point through that whole experience was I refused to support BLM, and I came out publicly condemning it in 2019 and then Ooh. lost all of my sponsors. Oh. And when you lose sponsors and you lose donations, you basically blacklist yourself from, from doing anything positive, anything, because nobody's going to support you. And then whenever you do something bad to one company, they always warn their competitors, oh. being like, watch out for this guy. Don't support that guy. This guy's crazy, all this other stuff. And so that's how I got here. So now... What happened? I had the darkest year of my life because I had spent so much time. I had missed fit. I had missed Christmas. I had missed birthdays. Yeah, I, you like, have to sacrifice I had, so much. I had to be left, an Olympic and when athlete. you come back, life changes because life goes on. Right. And when you leave, you leave it a certain way. Then when you come back, so much has changed. It's like you don't recognize it. So the only thing for ten plus years that I got good at was saying goodbye to people, not knowing if I'd ever be able to see people, not knowing <gasps> if we were ever going to connect again. So yeah. you learn how to have this lone wolf mentality, and when you go through things, you don't know how to open up to let people how help to you. Ask. Yeah. So when I was going through that time, it wasn't until like my dad at the time told me, he's like, look, this little section is just one chapter in the yep. story that makes up your life. Because he's like, look, blip. at the end just of the day, you're an Olympian for life. They can't take that away from you. But what you do now is how you respond is going to tell what kind of man you want to be known for. Ooh. So after that was when I started going around to college campuses, telling my story, but I got bored with talking about myself for a little bit. Yeah. So I said, look, everybody here has a fear of losing something. Right? Whether you yep. have a lot, you're afraid of losing a lot. But when you have a little, you're, you're still that means a lot to you. A little. Yep. You're afraid of losing something that's meaningful to you. But I said, here in this country, we had generations of men that fought against tyranny for a land that they wanted to envision living in. 
and most of them didn't even survive the war when they finished that. So we're standing on the sacrifice of a lot of people that did something for you, and now generationally you have so many people that are being taught to think of themselves, and when you think of yourselves, you hoard and you keep from everybody else, but when you're a community, you give to now give back so that it grows together. So I tell everyone now, if you want to have an impact on people, lead by example and leave something for other people behind you to now pick up and carry. Because every conservative has the life of a forager. And a forager is someone who has to clear the path, fill the potholes, get the debris out the way, jump the hurdles, and when you fall over, you got to pick yourself up and bandage yourself up because you can't wait for people to feel sorry for you. But you do that because when people see you booing all those things for the greater good of people coming behind you, then they follow in your footsteps and then they can appreciate the pathway that was cleared for you. Nowadays, you have so people that are bound up in things that you can't control race gender and all these kind of things now making that a big thing saying that because you're a woman or a black woman or a latin hispanic latinx woman mm -hmm. that kind of thing or if you're white you're the purveyor of all these issues that we have but y'all are proving that it's just like y'all can make it work yeah I'm so why can't the rest of us you feel me that i mean that's that's true for anybody right like how many how many stories have you heard where you know everybody's a victim oh i can't do it because of this because of that and then over and over again you know like ben carson you know grew up in the inner city and is and destitute and all this other stuff and then he becomes a leading uh, neuro neurosurgeon operating on babies while they're still in the womb separating conjoined twins by the brain by the brain in the womb yet somehow black people can't make it right so you got you got you got Hillary Clinton complaining about the glass ceiling as she's running for president as she's bilking people for millions and millions of dollars these people are not really victims well all i can say is this we here have a duty and an obligation for the country that we want to become. And in this culture war that we keep saying, it's become a popular phrase, but I don't think really people have taken in to mean what that means. When you're in a culture war, you're in it from birth until you stand in front of your creator after you die. You don't get an honorable discharge, you don't get a 401k, you don't get a pension from it, you don't get a purple heart when you get hurt and people hurt your feelings, you don't get a badge of honor when you do something great. That's Leadership right. is something that you take up when nobody else will and you do it when nobody else thanks you for it. And the reward of that is what you benefit from in the end. But people want fast rewards, which is why everyone is all about social media, everyone is all about appearing a certain way, but the best way to tell if someone is valid in what they say is time. And yes. you can't rush that. And what we have seen in the past few years over time are the people who said they were about something, we found out that they weren't. They're the not. people who everyone voted against are now the people who are ascending to the top. Success is not an overnight thing. I said virality is an overnight thing that always lasts temporarily because everyone will scroll past a viral video clip and talk about it, but nobody from the time you were cognitive enough to understand who you were as a kid until your elderly age will never, ever forget an experience that they had when somebody was kind to them. Ooh, I love it. Now, that you've been talking a lot about in the end when you meet your creator over time and what that makes me think about is legacy right so what is the legacy that we're all gonna leave behind what is the legacy of the work that we do and so much of the left I feel like is just so like navel-gazing focused on how they feel right now in this what how, what is what is my truth right now you know whatever the the lingo nonsense that they say but I feel like what you're talking about is we really need to be legacy focused. 
right? So say say a little bit more about like, what do you hope your legacy will be? What do you want to leave behind with your story and, and what you've been able to experience in your lifetime? The only legacy that I can leave behind is my legacy of faith because everyone has been through series of, uh, series of things, like situations, circumstances, people, scenarios, seasons, times, year, decades, those all change. But everyone has been through something where they felt pain. Everyone has been through something where they've been disappointed. Everyone has been through something where they felt betrayed, let down, upset, you know, happy, you know, like excited. All of those things are what make us a human race because all of those emotions are unilateral. They don't have, they're not sectioned off by, you know, race, gender, or ideology. I was like, the Bible says every good and perfect thing. And we as humans say, oh, if this is good, if this is good, it's just like, no, if it is good, it comes from God because we encompass everything he is. He hides himself everywhere because if he were to show himself in anything, it would literally make us serve him out of fear. He wants your love willingly because when you give it willingly, that's when it has purpose and meaning. And the legacy that I want to leave is to let people know that no matter your circumstance, no matter what you've been through, there is a God that loves you, the living God, who is alive that we still know is working, still doing things. His word hasn't changed. He said yesterday, today, and forever, he's still the same. And the reason he said forever is because five minutes from now, you haven't lived there, but he has. As a 10 minutes from now, 10 years from now, a week from now, if he allows you to live that long, he's there because he holds your beginning and your end. And in the end, you have to do it for this run reason. If we lose the United States of America, where do we go? There's nowhere left to run to. There's no freer country that has constitutional rights, God-given rights, right? Our constitution, this is what the people don't understand, like the capital R rights, right? These are God-given, not government-given. And so- Well, people are gonna understand my rights, and if they don't understand my rights, they can kiss my lips. (laughs) And on that note, Mr. Anthony Watson, would you share with everyone where they can follow you on social media? Do you have a website where they can support you? Like, do you have merch? Like, yes. Like, so I have, a, merch t- I have a TV sponsors? show. Okay. I, I have a TV show through Turning Point called Campus Crashers. You have a lot of people nowadays that create content where they go and they create something and they want the next generation to just flood to it just because they got something to say. Yeah. We... And I created a TV show where we actually go and feature the people that we want to include, which is the next generation, to make people hopeful about the few and far between that are actually fighting to keep America free. Because Scripture said, wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many are on it. Narrows the gate, narrows the road that leads to life, and very few find it. And we highlight the very few that are still in this fight for the right reasons doing everything else. So you can check it out at www.campuscrashers.com, or you can follow me on my Instagram at A Watson Jam, J-A-M, or on my Twitter at A Watson O-L-Y. I love it. I love it. All right, man. Wait, high five? All right. I, I was going to do this, I but then I saw this. your I saw rings yours and too. my... Yeah. <laughs> get, get out of here. Appreciate get you so much. Get out of here. <laughs>